Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, you're watching the call. Um, what we do is uh, you send us in 10 stocks. Um, our expert panel, these blokes today, give us a view on it. Now, I've been, you, you may notice me on the wide, wide shot every so often. I take notes on exactly what we've been through. Because of my handwriting, it's sort of all in code because no one can read it. Um, and I give... Uh, uh, stocks either get two crosses when both our experts say no, um, or a cross and a tick, or two ticks. Well, I've been following the two ticks from our different panels, and we, we rotate them across the board. And I've come up with a bit of a scheme that have put every stock that gets two ticks, I put in a little portfolio oh. and track. Now, if we have that same stock come up again, and it doesn't get the two ticks from the panel again, well, it gets dropped off. So only the two ticks get on here. So I've set up a little fantasy account um, at NABTRADE to follow how it's actually been going. So we have our own portfolio tracker, and I've been doing it since July 1. So all of the stocks that get a big ticker buy from both of our exports, experts we've put together. So let's have a check of how it's been performing. Well, uh, last week, um, our little The Call portfolio was up 1.5%. Uh, over the month, um, we're up 4.25%. And since the start of July, it's up 6.61%. Now, I have no idea what the rest of the market's done, but we're going to keep following it and yeah. see how it goes. And uh, if you go on the Ausbiz website, you can uh, see the actual portfolio. So it's quite interesting to see how it goes. That makes sense. But it's interesting also the number that actually drop off when the next team (laughs) come as well. So to actually stay and have some sort of longevity to it, it's got to be a pretty good company. So it's great. Um, So let's still, we'll keep following that on a regular basis here at the call, just out of interest. Um, Let's kick off with our stock of the day. Um, And JB Hi-Fi is um, delivered uh, its earnings today, um, working from home obviously has has done okay for underlying net profit, hitting $333 million, driven by a huge COVID-inspired online sales force. Sales up uh, by 50%, revenue up 11%, final dividend 90 cents a share. Uh, Not providing guidance for 2021, but says July sales are up by over 40% with the trend continuing into August as well. what do you think, Goro? Extraordinary. When I first saw the numbers, my first reaction was, I get to load it over Nathan. Because <laughs> <laughs> this was a stock we... Sadly, that's what I thought we do. We've talked about this in the past, so you've had it holding over here. Yeah. Today was truth or dare, and the truth came out. And that was more important to me than any stock performance at all. Um, but I think there's a deeper philosophical issue here because yep. I think when, when Nathan um, all those years ago incorrectly said to sell the stock, um, I think technically that was probably the right decision because the valuation right. looked expensive. You looked at where we were in the cycle and the sensible decision was probably to sell. And for me, it yep. just goes to show that, um, you, you know, you learn the sensible decisions so you know when not to follow it, you know. Um, right. it's, it's, one, it's, it's, it's the old cliche. Um, it's such a great business, and the competition is so poor. Um, you know, Harvey Norman is its a large business, but in my view, a weak competitor to JP Hi-Fi. I think it does something quite different. Yes. I'm not sure the two overlap as much as many people think they do. A lot of the other in-store competition has disappeared. Their pricing power and their low cost of doing business, as I think we said this before, the lowest in the world, yep. um, it's enough to match a lot of online competitors. So it's a really powerful 
um, competitor in its own right. It's hard to beat. When you have all those factors lining up, sometimes it pays just to let the price run a little bit more. And even if it's technically overvalued, and I think it probably was when Nathan said sell, yeah. it's still okay to hold an overvalued stock if it's a very good business and the moat is expanding. Yeah. And, and I think that's what we have here. I think the moat's been expanding. It's clear, everyone knows it's a great business, but the decision ought to be, it's okay to hold an expensive stock as long as the moat is expanding. Right. That's the great lesson for me. And, and Nathan, that's what you got wrong, my friend. And <laughs> <laughs> Nathan, when you saw this result come out, and, and you knew you were wrong His on heart the call sank. today, did you go, <laughs> oh God, yeah. look at this, it is just ticked up to 50 oh, bucks. Oh wow, yeah. yeah. That's, um, uh, that's pretty extraordinary, isn't it? That's a, what a record high for JB Hi-Fi. Um, I have to say, um, I suppose when I was looking at it, when they made that deal mm. to buy good guys, good guys yeah. Yeah. I've got no problems in saying that was a bad deal. I mean, yeah. the former CEO said so because he offered a lot less and they ended up paying a lot more than the first offer they gave to buy out uh, good guys. I think it was about 30 or 40 percent higher. Uh, at probably the end of a 30-year property cycle. Yep. So I think structurally what good guys bring to the table is going to be negative over the years. JB Hi-Fi as a business, I have no problem. It is one of the best quality business. It's what we always talk about is per square meter, how much can they jam into your head? Uh, and they probably, I mean, they are the best in the world at it. The only person I would say right now, I think probably could beat them is Chemist Warehouse. Right. They probably do even more in a even smaller space. It's ridiculous. Yep. Um, so JB High is good at what they do. Is the only problem I say is everything you can think of that could work for yeah, them I do agree. has been there. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you don't get work from home boost <laughs> yeah. every three months. Storm, exactly. Yeah. So in the, on the numbers, I'm still, I was negative for the right reason. What the one-off came through actually worked out to their benefit because the government handed out and, and they just went into people buying work from home stuff, yep. which has worked out. And again, those things, once you buy, you've got it for a couple of years. You're not going to go and buy another laptop every three months. Right. So the, everything has been positive for them. I think it gets really tough on the comp. The fact that they're not giving guidance tells you where it is. Yeah. For a guy who's at all-time highs, can't give you guidance, who can? Yeah. So it is not in that perfect space. It is good, no doubt. Yeah. But it's in a tough sector. We're in a recession. Yeah. The government has basically bought you time to prepare yourself for the tougher part of the recession. That's yeah. still coming. So, uh, uh, Grab's right. You would hold the stock if you're holding it. And why is it running up today? Because there's about 7% short in the stock. Mm -hmm. um, about 12 months ago, it was 15% short. Right. So a lot of the run in the stock is because these were Harvey Norman and JB Hi-Fi, one of the mostly shorter stocks. Mm -hmm. So as they cover their shorts and there's no one willing to sell in a good, decent result in a tough yep. market, these things go up. Now the other advantage that JB Hi-Fi has is it's come and reported early in the reporting season. So you buy the one with the lowest risk, which has already told you their result. Yep. The guy who's coming up is still uncertain, yep. especially in a market where a lot of people haven't given continuous disclosure and you're in a you know historically high multiple with relatively low growth outlook in a recession. So yep. there's a lot of tough outlook out there. So you buy the guy who has reported. So JB Hi-Fi Hi has that advantage. But for me, I would still not be buying JB Hi-Fi. Um, as good as it is, I think it gets tougher for them. All the good yeah. things have happened. Um, the one I would still continue to back, all the online models have done well, and they've done really well. They're priced for what it, they are. You can see it in the retail sector. The yeah. online's up there, the non, the bricks and mortar are down here. That's yeah. what's, it's a classic separation. The only guy I would be buying in the retail space, even now, is West Farmers because they're basically a private equity right. uh, and they will buy something. So you wouldn't buy Dick's Carly? No, no way. Okay. I'd be taking some off the table here having said, you know, right. said sung its praises for so a So you wouldn't while. be um, a, a buyer at 50? Certainly not. Right. I'd be reducing my stake. I, I yep. think it's worthwhile holding on, um, holding a small stake in this, but yep. the, the valuation um, is pretty full when you normalise earnings. Yep. It actually looks okay if you anticipate this level of earnings, but it's hard to imagine there hasn't been some sort of pull forward of demand given yep. the, the extraordinary circumstances. So uh, yeah, a bit, quite a bit off the table, maybe sell half your holdings or something like yep. that. That's what we're doing. Okay, all right. Um, that's our stock of the day for today, JB Hi-Fi. <coughs> also Kogan uh, out today. We had had a lot oh, coming out as well, wasn't it? I love Kogan's management at how well they can market themselves, <laughs> um, but it's not Amazon. 
No. It's uh, priced up there, so I'd be taking money. You know, uh, a friend of mine recently told me his investment <coughs> strategy is find a business that has their own T-shirts. Right. And yeah. he said, he said, That's you know, if all you did was just buy businesses really that have their own T-shirts, <laughs> you've done great. Yeah. And he pointed out Lassian and right. Kogan right. and there's a couple of others. And I thought, yeah, that's yeah. actually not a bad yeah, idea. That's pretty no, good. No, no. <laughs> all started in a garage. Yeah. yeah. All their story says I started yeah. in a garage. Anyhow. All right, let's get into um, your uh, suggested stock today, down a EDI. Uh, Gaurav, of course, uh, um, what do you call it, a ser- services business, started out in mi- building mining camps and things like that, but also owns the, the spotless hospitality business, which um, uh, recently they've been threatening maybe to close down because there's sort of not much catering out there. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> they've actually completed the full takeover of that now. Yep. Um, I'm, uh, perhaps the business isn't doing as well uh, under these circumstances, but... Um, Look, it's an okay business, if not a terrific one. Downer itself has been a poor performing business for a long time. And if you just looked at the numbers on Downer, you'd assume that this was a, a weak company, a bit of a basket case. It's got lots and lots of debt, and yep. you'd probably stay away from it. Um, but I think there's a sensible investment case to be made for Downer. And you'd, to, to make that case, you really have to dig into the, the details a little bit. Now, the company's outlined plans to split its operations and to shrink. Um, and some of those plans are quite credible, actually. Um, there are good businesses mixed in here, and they've been obscured by some poor quality businesses. Right. And once you shut down or strip out the poor quality stuff, the remaining bits of downer, which is largely a, um, a, a rail business, um, and some um, civil contracting, uh, as well as that, hotel, uh, that uh, hospital, hospital servicing business. Yeah. Um, they're actually capital light, um, have a large maintenance revenue proportions, um, so you get lots of reoccurring mm-hmm. revenue, and the margins are quite good. So I think there's a good business buried in here, but it just requires a bit of management work um, to get to it. Um, will this I force them to work to it? Well, going they, through this? Yes, they, they've said that they're going to be doing that. And, and I like the plans that they put forward. They are going to be selling some of their poorer quality businesses. That yeah. mining services business is, is a bad one. Um, it, it makes great money in the boom. There are some good assets in there, but it's a difficult business to manage. It should not be mixed in into a conglomerate structure. It yeah. requires dedicated management. Um, so once they get rid of that, you clean up a lot of the, um, the, the cost in that business. 60% of all the CapEx is mm. actually related to a mining business that makes maybe 20% of mm. profit. So it's, okay. uh, it's good to get that out of there. You need to do a lot of numerical work to see if there's um, how much upside there is. I haven't done that work yet, but I will say that there's an interesting case to be made here, and it's on my watch list, but I've got a lot more work to do yet. Okay. So for now, I'd probably call it a hold. Yep. Okay. Yeah, when you got a name downer, it's down down. <laughs> if you looked at it over the last two years, yep. um, every reporting season, it's had a pullback. Um, so mm-hmm. th- that tells you where the stock is. It's not surprising the market on the positive side. It's negative side. Everyone knows the macro thematics that are driving the underlying businesses are positive. So if people are willing to buy the turnaround story on this stock um, till the G- well until the crash came, and it hasn't bounced as much because it has the problems of all mining services and construction plays. When they get it wrong, they get it wrong with the huge write downs. Um, and I remember I was a share, personal shareholder when they did the Waratah trains. Mm. Gee, that ran into a brick wall. Yep. <laughs> um, I was on holiday, turned around and looked, it was down 50%. Um, so that is the risk in the model. Yep. So you want the discount. So I think this goes further lower. Um, I, the sector is all the thematics that are showing me and the related stocks are all underperforming. This is not you know, a good risk return bet for me. I think it goes lower. I think you need the, I, I need the, you need the discount. Or I'd say the, the fact that they were buying Spotless told you that they were trying to go towards more of a recurring revenue type model. Mm. Uh, the timing was shocking, but mm. you know, who, knows, who knew this was gonna come? Yeah, but right. even the fact that, that they went down that model was interesting because people were buying it for the high growth nature. This dilutes that high growth nature. So the fact that they were moving away from the risky high growth nature to a more recurring safety play meant that they were going to be on a lower multiple. So I think the management's kind of conflicted at this point. Can they execute in the new model? Time will tell. Uh, yeah. I think the market will wait to see. So till then it probably underperforms. So I'd be waiting. If I was going to buy the stock, I'd probably be buying around the three, 350 range. So I'll wait for it to come back. Okay. And I think the next pullback, it will come back and then you get another bite at it. Yeah, well they, they'd have to keep spotless. 
Would that oh yes, spotless is part of is part of their strategy. Okay. Um, mining services. There's a there's another um, I think a, a hospital a maintenance business that they're right. going to get rid of, and the laundries business that they're going to get right. rid of. That should raise a couple of hundred million dollars of, of fresh capital, which they'll need to pay off debt because the thing is the balance sheet is bloated. And they've done a cap raise too. And they've done a cap. You're right. They've done a cap raise as well, yeah. and they need they still need a, the balance sheet still is not clean. But once they sell these assets. Then I think that's the time to come and look at this business okay. with a clean balance sheet right. and you get a better sense of that's what you're a, buying. That's a common thematic at the moment. It's all about shrinking to greatness. Yeah. Mm. So everyone's trying to shrink, everyone's trying to sell to get the balance sheet up yeah. and deleverage. The only problem is if everyone's selling, who's buying? Mm. So you're not mm. going to get the great price that everyone assumes yeah. they do. Yeah. So if you can, you've done really well. But, but de- debt's it. pretty cheap at yeah. these interest rates. Yes. It is. It, it is cheap, but then the buyer will have to actually want to buy this thing and assume that they're going to get better returns. So at this point, right. they're getting rid of it because they've got no idea what to do with it. So the buyers right. are waiting there going, oh, I'll pay less. And I think okay. bankers and investors are getting nervous yeah. about debt, yeah. uh, just with the macro looking so poor. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if, if the bankers are standing behind Dow and, and asking oh, them right. to, okay. to raise some capital or sell right. some stuff. Okay. There you go, Daniel. Thanks for that suggestion. Um, uh, Nathan George wants a view on Althea Group Holdings. This is a, a medicinal ca- cannabis distribution business. Um, and they recently got approval to sell online. Who knew? Yeah. Medicinal uh, cannabis online. Yeah, I think uh, this this play from memory, I'll just have a quick look here. So it was the year was 2019. Yeah. That's when you just got to put your word cannabis in your stock and mm. then boom, you go. Yep. Um, and the whole play out of Canada, the whole global play into it. That's right. Was it was a, all going to be legalized, was it, it? It was the new lithium. There you go. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> so it was the new lithium. So you've had the run. Now it comes down to regulatory risk, execution, getting the production in play, you know, all of those things. Um, there will probably be two or three winners. There's probably about six or seven out there. Mm. And you'd have to do your research to know who's going to be standing. I don't yeah. do that. That's too high a risk because if you get it wrong, yep. you'll end up you know, falling in love with something going, this is going to do well and watch it go down. Yeah. Uh, so you know, in an industry that's going through that structural change where they don't know who the winner, who the loser is and do not understand the regulatory risk, that's just too hard. Yep. There's much easier places to make money. You're here to make money. You're not here to be right. So yeah. it's, you know, you do not go into a sector where there's way too many uncertainties trying to pick the winner. Sure, you could get high returns, but it's also very high risk. So right. this is not a sector right now for me that plays well. Okay. I generally like uncertainty. I think the market is so efficient, investors are so smart, um, there's so much competition, it's hard to fry, find assets that are mispriced. And the one chance you do get is, um, is in under conditions of dire uncertainty. We saw that in March. Everything fell because we'd never been in a situation like that before. And that's an often uncertainty equals opportunity, in my view. Um, but this is not that. Um, I, I suspect this has come up um, because it's a hot new sector. There's a lot of industry growth forecasts, but I actually do agree with Nathan here that the winners are impossible to predict. And we've had a bit of a look here, not a deep research, but it's very complicated. Um, the, the regulation is at every level. It's a growing distribution, selling, and then ongoing therapy, all heavily regulated. You don't really know which parts of that chain make the most money or how much competition is involved. It, I would say, unless you have very deep knowledge of this area, um, or intend to get very deep knowledge, I would just stay away from this. This is so mm. difficult, and the returns so uncertain. It doesn't seem to be worth um, a lot of analytical okay. time. But right. the interesting part about this is, I mean, I'm not casting a shadow on whether it works or not. Um, or, sure. You know, it could potentially yeah. be a solution yeah. uh, at certain level for certain things. But you have time. Yeah. When you start to see industry acceptance of that and you start to see much more wide-scale acceptance of the product, um, then you get into that stage of, oh, okay, then they have, they have an industry. Then you can look at how much they produce, they can look at what their margins would be, so forth. But right now, you, you're getting it so early. Yep. Um, you know, if you're there and you put a bit of money in there, sure, just hold on, good luck to you. But would I be going and putting a, a decent part of your portfolio into this at this point? No. Yeah. 
Okay. Easier places to make money, I think, George, yeah. is the message coming through from Gaurav and Nathan there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gaurav Blake uh, wants a view on uh, ALS Limited. Now, this is like a big testing laboratory mm. for mining companies or uh, industrial companies, isn't it, for um, seeing what grades your minerals are and testing and things like that. Yeah, so it came out of mining. It used to be Campbell Brothers, which um, back in the day was a really um, a bit of a darling business and um, generated really decent returns. And they yeah. went off and then diversified. They bought a few businesses to take them out of mining and into um, in industrial and food and agriculture testing. Um, so there should be, there actually, I mean, there was good reasons to do that as well. Mining is famously cyclical and they didn't want to put up with all those ups and downs. I think it made some sense to do that. But in doing that, the returns appear to be diluted as well because those other parts of the market are already well served and quite competitive. There are some international giants in this space and scale really matters here. Once you set up your, um, your fixed asset equipment and you've got scientists going, you can, you can squeeze more, um, more samples into that pipeline. Um, and the more samples you can squeeze, the better your returns are going to be. Right. So turnover um, is very important. It pays to be the biggest one. These guys are large, but they're not the largest. There are some much bigger global players. Um, returns are only average um, in, in ALS. So I don't really know it in detail. And I don't know why returns aren't better than they are, because the, the economic model is actually decent. Um, the service they provide is, is very high value add. Um, they should do better than they are. Um, perhaps management um, aren't very good, I, I don't know. But for whatever reason, I probably would not venture okay. here. The, there is something um, about the way this business is run or the way it's set up where the returns don't really match expectations, my expectations anyway, when you look at international peers. Mm-hmm. Um, and perhaps that's um, cyclicality working all the time in the business, I don't know. But take a good look here before you jump in. For me, it's, it's probably a, yeah. a void. Yeah, look, uh, that, that, uh, look, I agree with your comments. I think it's an interesting, because, I mean, uh, this is what I like about Graph. It comes from a different perspective. Um, that's the only thing you like. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's not much else. Uh, <laughs> uh, the fact that um, they don't get that rating is quite interesting because mm. a lot of the guys that I trust actually rate the management. Right. Ah. Uh, so it's a tough industry. Yeah. Um, and and I think we underestimate the amount of mining services and because of the boom time, they had this huge operational leverage, mm, yeah. you know, when truck drivers are earning $200,000, you know, that was yeah, a classic yeah. title. Mm. The, the people remember those things and go, that could come back. That, uh, they don't come back. Mm. Uh, I've been a broker for multi-decades. You know, there's still brokers out there thinking that 80s will come back. It's not coming back, no. uh, right? So it's the world has changed, and yeah. for these guys, especially a lot of the mining services, you have to get used to a lot lower margins, and there's a lot more players with the technological advancement. They can do a lot more with a lot less, so the margins are coming down quite hard. So even the good guys struggle, yeah. and I actually think it's a good business, uh, and most of the guys I trust do rate the management, but I still think it's tough. I don't think the mining services sector is yeah. doing that great, despite yeah. you know, miners doing quite well. Um, so I don't think it's going to shoot the lights out. Um, it's, hey, look, it's back at nine bucks. I mean, the peak was, what, 10 bucks? Yeah. Uh, what's your optimistic valuation? Going back to 10 bucks, um, the risk return just doesn't stack it for me. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, you're not buying this here, but if you're in it, um, uh, look, you could do worse. So well, that, I, and I'm you've done it right. Yeah, you've done oh, all right, so I'm not um, you know, against that. But I wouldn't go in and buy it here. Your risk okay. return just doesn't stack up. All right, speaking of resources and mining stocks, Austral Gold, uh, a mining and exploration company um, in Chile and Argentina. A couple of big gold and silver producing mines there and um, declared a dividend last week. I should think so. About two or three weeks. I mean, we should not be incredulous about this. The gold prices have never been higher. Oh, I know. And if you can't make a dividend and make decent profit now, you might as well just shut up. I was was going to say that was 0.9 of a cent uh, per share, which is still (laughs) who would have thought with a gold company. (laughs) And have you to remind me very often here, (laughs) uh, gold stocks now are actually gold companies are being run by the finance guys saying you're not going to bugger it up by it. Buying a dodgy asset with yeah. all the money in the bank. Yeah. So, what do you think of Austral Gold? Look, it's a small business. Um, yeah. The asset base is very difficult to determine because it's a collection of. They have stakes in some mines and, and a couple of uh, one. I think one mine they own one hundred percent of. I'm a bit wary of small miners who own multiple assets. 
Right. I think the if you look back in history, the ones that do well are the miners that find a patch of dirt, n just study the heck out of it, and find out something about that d that patch yeah. that that gives them confidence to build a hole in the ground there. Yeah. It, it's not. Keep it simple. In my experience, it's not the miners who own multiple assets all over the world, and especially not ones who take stakes in multiple assets. Right. Owning as a miner. Owning a minority stake in a um, in a another country in another asset is just it's not a very attractive proposition because you have no control over the capex and you have very little control over the mining method. Just there's too many variables. Remember, in mining, you don't get to control the sell price. So the stuff that you that is in your control is absolutely vital to get right. Yep. And when you don't have a say over it. Um, you're basically just a passive sit-back investor, and why would you invest in a business when their assets are passive sit-back? Yep. You know, I, yep. I, look, there are some great miners these days on the market. Some gold miners. Evolution is first-rate. Remelius is first-rate. Yep. Um, Northern Star, excellent. Yep. Um, if you wanted to buy gold, and I do not own gold, I probably would not buy gold now. But pick one of those three and buy it. Yep. I wouldn't fit a fit Evolution had a great result last week. Wasn't it great? Game, yeah, it was really good result. Uh, what do you think of Austral? Does it float your boat? Uh, look, I, I love the sector. We've been long the sector for a good part of 12 months, if uh, not longer. Um, it's worked really well. We're still long. Um, some of the stocks got ahead of themselves, and they've, yep. and it's inevitable the spot price ran too far. Um, we expected a $100, $150 pullback, which has happened, which uh, is not really a shock. It's still in um, you know air up there. Um, the risk that you're looking at is what's happening in the area. So this is South America. This is COVID country. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, this is, uh, you know, so mm -hmm. most of the, the resources, the Southeast Asia, Africa, and South America, these are classic COVID countries. And yeah. you've got to remember that governments are basically broke. Yeah. At some point, mm -hmm. the government will turn around and go, wait, mm -hmm. I'm broke and you have gold? Yeah. Guess what's going to happen? <laughs> uh, it's never happened before. Yeah. Um, so... That is my worry. So, right. you know, on a risk return, um, so you're already taking risk, risk yeah. in as micro cap playing. I actually don't have a problem with big cap players having minority interest. Yes, I think that's because a it's a blocking stake for yes. someone else taking it out. Yeah. So you buy ten percent, you hold it. I, I've liked a number of those gold stocks because what they buy ten percent, they block other people from taking them out. Yep. If they find stuff and it's good and mm -hmm. it's close to one of your operations, you take it out. Yeah. Um, so that's I don't mind that so much, but it's where it is. So we've been backing Aussie gold miners. All of them. So yeah. we've liked Evolution, Saracen, um, Silver Lake, Gold Road, West Gold, yeah. uh, Regis. These are the ones that we backed because they're all Aussie gold miners. Yeah. And the advantage is it generally correlates that if gold price is coming off, Aussie dollar tends to come off as well. And so you get the Aussie dollar gold price, which is currently sitting somewhere around 26, 2700. And most of the cost base is about 1000 to 1200. So mm. you're making them absolutely money mint. making machines. Exactly. The These are the biggest cash cows <laughs> out there at the moment. And so even if the gold price comes back a couple of hundred dollars from here, it doesn't matter. They're still churning out cash. And yeah. you have no um, country risk. Yeah. Your sovereign risk is very low. Yeah. And so that is one of the reasons. And the other thing I would say is now is, you know, when gold is trading at all time high, you know, you go and pick specky explorers in dodgy areas. Don't, yeah. <laughs> because you are literally trying to pick the worst house yeah. after the longest property bubble. Yeah, you know you are hoping that this goes on forever. Yeah, I'm a, I'm positive on the gold stocks, but I would be buying you know medium to large cap producers in safe areas yeah. like Australia. Yeah, you're going to be holding up a stock that the worst case scenario you're down ten percent. Yeah. And the other thing Good I would advice. mention in that is silver, it's almost impossible to get exposure in Australia. Mm. Mm. And generally people go to Canadian miners to get that. Yeah. So if you can pick up any kind of silver stock, that's a bonus because it's a very hard to find commodity. Yeah. But again, sovereign risk is huge. Yeah. Most people don't know this, but the largest silver producer in the world is actually the Cannington mine, which is owned by South 32. So oh. South 32 yeah. is the world's single largest supplier of silver, which... Is that right? There you go, yeah. Wow. So would you be buying South 32? Not for its silver exposure. Yeah. <laughs> actually, yeah. We actually do own it, but um, right. not for silver. It's an interesting stock, that one, yeah. actually. All right, what about Centuria Industrial REIT? Mm. Um, Gaurav, they've uh, 
they're just making a big purchase of a Telstra yes, data centre, right. are they? Yes. Clayton raising capital for it. It's a bit of a shift into data centres for them. Yeah, I was very suspicious of this move because um, it, this whole setup just looks a bit unattractive to me. Everyone knows industrial property is where the hot money is in the yeah. REIT sector now. Um, yeah. And as part of that, um, data centres are probably the hottest part of the property market. Yeah. You can see that from the share prices. Um, we just recently sold um, Macquarie Telecom. We made 130% in a couple of months. I mean, yeah. You don't get that unless there's a lot of hot market activity. Next DC. And next DC, which we also sold. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, but anyway. Um, so you sold out of them? We sold, we've taken some profits. Right, yeah. okay. I think they're still really good businesses, um, but we just found other ideas that right. we want to fund. Yep. It's not really sure. a comment on those two necessarily, yep. but it does show that this is a very hot space. And I'm nervous about big companies big slow incumbents <laughs> moving into a very hot space being yeah. top dollar and they paid top dollar for this data right. center. Um, not a good look. Having said that, the rest of this portfolio is actually very solid. It's a really good collection of assets. Um, the largest is a 30 year, a, a, a property leased to um, Arnott's for 30 years at very reasonable returns. Um, the other stuff is all pretty good as well. Mm. Blue chip customer base, conservatively geared. Um, and it's only at a, a 20% premium to NTA, which is actually not bad when you consider where interest rates are. No. The only caution I'd add to that is that the, the, um, the REIT has been, um, it's benefited greatly from low interest rates. So when, when interest rates come down, the cap rate actually compresses. And that, that's another way of saying, that's the, sorry, that's the analyst way of saying the property prices actually rise right. as the interest rates come yep. down. And those yep. higher property prices are captured into the valuation. So when I say it's only 1.2 times the NTA, that NTA has been massively bloated by right. lower interest rates. So right. you really need interest rates to stay low to do well out of this. Yep. Um, and if they do, then this is a perfectly fine okay. thing to buy, yielding close to 6%, good quality assets, um, conservatively geared. If interest rates rise, you're in trouble with this yeah. one. Well, Philip Lowe says interest mm. rates aren't going anywhere for three years, he said on Friday. Yes, they? he did. So. Pretty clear direction there. What yeah. do you think of well, it's not going to go for three years. I think it's going to be more five, six years. Um, mm. it, they, you, you need the um, corporate world to deleverage. Yeah. That's going to take a, a bit longer than yeah. that in a recession. The interesting Century. part of it, yeah, I, I think it's a good, good quality business. Um, Gaurav's right. They did, they didn't get uh, Telstra's piece for, uh, for cheap. Mm -hmm. uh, they paid up, but they, they've got a good, good overall business yeah, model. I think, I think, I think so. it's worth mm -hmm. paying for. Now, you got to know what you're buying it for. Now, I'm not a fan of the property sector. So in January, we're negative on a lot of the property. We've pulled everything out. My fan favorite is Goodman Group. Yeah. yeah. I think it's it's a top 10 stock in the market. It's a go. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, so, you know, why think twice? You just buy it. Yeah. Um, so th that's been the best. There's a number of quality players there. These guys are one of them. I'd say it's a good quality business. It's not going to do a lot for you on a total return basis, but you're going to get pretty decent yield. Okay. And, you know, if it blows up, they've got high quality assets, you sit and, you know, hold on okay. to it. So you're not going to get completely burned. But look, if it's a pullback, sure, you lose some money, but you can hold this. It's not going to kill you. Yeah. Okay. So you're pretty safe about that. All right. Okay. So a hold from you on that. Let's uh, recap the first four, uh, first five stocks with us. Talk of the day, JB Hi-Fi, take profits. Um, down a EDI, hold from uh, Gaurav, a no from uh, Mathan. Altio, no, just too too hard. Uh, Altia, ALS, a no. Um, Austral Gold, um, why go for a little gold miner in a foreign country in South America when there are just great gold miners here in Australia? Look here. And uh, Centuria, uh, a hold from Maiton, um, a no from Gorav. Um, make sure that uh, you keep watching today because we speak to GWA Chief Executive Tim Salt, uh, whose company released their full year results earlier this morning. That's 1pm right here on Ausbiz. All right, our next stock suggested uh, by Mike Gorav is ASX, the stock exchange that the business is listing stocks. and mm. yeah. One of the best businesses on the ASX. Yeah. Um, we've owned this since $8, I think. Ah. Um, I can't remember. We have taken profits along the way. I can't remember if it's in the portfolio at the moment. You held it since $8, did you say? Yeah. Not 80. No, no, since eight, eight years. Okay. Ago. We've held this for years and years. Right. Um, it is a wonderful business. The very epitome of network effects. 
Yeah. Um, there was the, you get periodic opportunities to buy this company, but not very often. It always looks expensive, yeah. and that's because its competitive moat is close to unbreachable. Um, yeah. Would I be buying up here? It looks very expensive. There, there's a very crowded trade in high quality um, growth. I think when we first purchased this, network effects were a quaint academic <laughs> thing and people didn't really appreciate them very much. That's really changed now. Everyone yeah. understands network effects and, and what they do, what they mean. Um, and I think that's well and truly priced as this business. I think there's a good case to take it off, for taking a little bit of profit here, but I would right. not, this, this, you want to keep owning some of this. Okay. So There's lots of optionality here. I think we need to look out for a um, merger with an Asian boss. I mm -hmm. think it makes a lot of sense to merge with Singapore, for example. Mm -hmm. And they're also doing some interesting things with the blockchain technology. Yep. And, and I think there's uh, lots of ways you can really slash costs. So there's still interesting stuff going on here, um, but maybe just a hold. Right. Ivan? Oh, look, it's, it's one of my uh, top quality defensive yield plays. Not a massive yield. But it's it's a solid deal. I mean, this thing is absolutely churning. The amount of volume going through this thing is horrendous. Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing amount of volume, mm -hmm. amazing amount of IPOs, churning. IPOs, capital yeah. raise, and, everything. And and the thing is, um, you know, the, the 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 thing that you hear about for investment at the moment, and you can see it with a lot of retail investors in the market, is that um, you know there's nowhere else to go. Uh, you have to go to equities if you want to get any decent return. So in that context, ASX is going to look good. Chiex is there because to dress this turkey up, because it's going to be taken out. Um, London Stock Exchange, uh, Germans have looked at it. Singapore makes sense because what are we known for? Yeah. Most people look at us an entry into Asian market. It's like, yeah. it's like I don't want to go to the food court. I'd rather go to this high-end restaurant. Yeah. Uh, so it's you know uh, uh, that's the whole idea of an Asian market. You go to Australia to get Asian exposure. Yeah. Um, Germans have been buying, and so Germans and the London Stock Exchange have been looking at it quite a bit. Mm -hmm. It would not surprise me at some point the um, Brexit put a break on the link between London Stock Exchange and the German, and so that's actually opened up two guys potentially looking at us mm -hmm. for the Asian play. Mm -hmm. I think ASX will be gone. Um, look, we've liked it on the pullback, and we've been in it. We still like it. I think you're not gonna get hurt sitting in this stock. Um, you can pick up a decent yield. Given where the interest rates are, that actually looks a good yield. Yeah. Um, and your bonus play is if one of the boys come and take you out, and this thing pops on M and A. Yep. And now that there is Chiex legally, it mm. can be bid on. So yeah. before they couldn't. Yeah. So that's the advantage. So I think it's a it's a good play. I think okay. you you sit it through it. All right. So a yes on a pullback or at this price? Oh look, I, I, if I'm holding, I'm holding through it. Yeah. Um, would I buy it here in this market? Probably, because the, I think okay. there's a lot of risk in other stocks. This one doesn't have a lot of risk. Right. Okay. All right. Our next stock suggested by Vince, um, Mathan, Max7 Technologies. Um, a lot of people sort of see this as a baby ProMedicus, do they? Uh, imaging software for medical organisations been going through. Uh, look, uh, it's, it's, it's got all the right words. It's a yeah. tech. Uh, it's in health. I mean, you couldn't get any more wind behind its sales yeah. if you tried. Um, I'm not saying it's a spiff. I think it's a good business. Yeah. Um, right. I think it's a great business, um, early stage. Mm. But I think uh, from people I trust, they like the management. Uh, yeah. They think they can execute. So you back it. Um, so it's not one you go in and go, this is ESL, I'm putting everything in there. Right. But it's early stage. So you, you should put a bit in, see how it goes. As right. it grows, add more. But I think this is a high-quality business. I think where mm. the health sector is heading to, this could be a winner. So I think you should okay. be adding some of it. All right. Yeah, look, I, I guess it, our investment style is a little bit different. It pre often precludes businesses like this. Where you're, I mean, Methan's, I think, nailed it when he said it adds all the right words. Yep. And you could not ask for a better set of circumstances, a better, a better market condition, and a more fervent crowd um, to get behind a business like this. And it just makes me a little bit uncomfortable. I think there's little doubt there's a growth bubble on the ASX and then a growth yep. bubble globally. Yep. Um, you know, the, the indices are all ticking up, but you, you break those indices apart, most stocks are actually still cheap. And it's a handful of sectors, a couple of dozen companies that are pushing everything higher. And, and those sort of circumstances for me are a bit of a warning sign. 
Um, uh, look, this is a, an okay business. There's some really interesting stuff going on. And, and I think actually... I just bought a Canadian business as well. Mm. I well, it, it yeah. does make sense. I think your yeah. description of it as a little mini Prometicus, I often roll my eyes um, when companies say that themselves, yeah, but yeah. It, it is pretty similar. And it's on a similar trajectory at a much earlier um, taking off mm. point. So I can see why so many people like it. I'll just caution that there's a lot of enthusiasm in this space. Yeah. The valuations, we, we've become accustomed to 15, 20 times sales. These are very high multiples yeah, to be yeah. paying. 15 or 20 so times sales. Sales. Just, just, not sales. earnings. Yeah. <laughs> so just to give, that's normal just to now. give context to what Gaurav yeah. just said, the three stocks that I'm, I'm almost certain that boils Gaurav's nerves is probably ProMedicus, uh, Jumbo Interactive, and emerges. These three were the, the <laughs> tech stocks yep. that people were talking all the way up. Mm. They all had these huge runs and people, and the, the worrying part was a lot of people who were in the stock had no idea what they did. Yep. It just went up, so they yep. didn't want to sell it. So it was became the hot stock, mm. everyone talked about it. But all of them then had substantial pullbacks. Yep. And that's the risk in this, that what Gaurav is trying to caution you against is that don't buy into the story look at the business is that executing if they're yeah. executing sure minute they stop executing don't fall in love with the story right so on all of them okay. you, you made a good money so don't, don't marry it yeah just, just <laughs> take profit exactly yeah. you're there to make money when yeah. they stop executing correctly yeah. it doesn't matter if the multiple is 30 or 50 yeah. it's going to come down yeah so minute they stop having, you know, start having issues, get out. There's, a, there's yeah. a lot of style about investing as well. You know, everyone thinks that there's a price you should, everyone should buy and a mm. price everyone should sell. The truth is it's actually a very personal decision. Your own psychology and your method yeah. and your previous knowledge all goes into what you buy and sell. For me, I find it very difficult to buy something with so much enthusiasm that everyone loves because it's my view that you need to do something different from the market to yeah. do something to do better. Right. Uh, and for me, the crowd is all behind growth. And right. I think now is the time to be a little bit cautious and start sitting on the, or at least peering on the other side of that fence and right. start seeing, um, looking at a few other So other no. A no, seven. yeah. But look, I can, I can see why you would, yep. but for me personally, no. Okay. Um, Gaurav, what do you think of Reckham? Philip has asked for a suggestion on this. This is a software company for uh, small business, accountants, bookkeepers. It's one of the originals, wasn't it? Before mm. MYOB and Zero came along and shot the lights out, uh, Reckon and QuickBooks was the accounting software yeah. package. I, I said had the license from America. There were there's probably two parts of Reckon's life. There was um, pre-Zero and post-Zero. Pre-Zero, <laughs> pre this is a wonderful business, and yep. post-Zero, it's a, a shadow of its former self. Yep. Um, this has been thoroughly, thoroughly disrupted, um, yep. and primarily by Zero. They've had a go at launching their own cloud products and yep. trying to mimic the Zero model and trying to grow, and it just has not worked. Sort of market leader, but just didn't respond. Well, um, and for, for good reason. They had a beautiful cash cow. Responding yep. would have meant um, uh, turning on their own margins, um, you know, devouring yep. themselves, and it's very hard to do. Most businesses, okay. understandably, reluctant. And that's the actual opportunity for disruptors all over the yep. world. It's because incumbents have all the advantage, but none of the gumption. Yep. Um, and look, there's, there, there is actually a sensible investment case to be made for Reckon as well. It's a very cheap business. The, the remaining cash flows are very stable. They're not growing, but they're hard to dislodge. And they've bought a American business over which there is a, an option of success, and it's not really embedded in the price. So look, if you, want to take a punt this is the sort of thing that could be interesting but for me it is a business that probably um the odds are probably stacked against it. I, I would probably say no but it's an interesting yep. idea speculative okay. by maps oh look it's it's had its kodak moment uh <laughs> it, it didn't react it's not what it used to mean is it kodak yeah. moment yeah, it's, 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 yeah now it's uh there's a few godfrey's had his kodak moment and mm -hmm. uh reckon had its uh kodak moment uh, i think it's interesting because Look at what happened with 3PL recently. Yep. Now, yeah. 3PL, actually, it's an education um, online tool. It's a really good tool. Yeah. Yep. I actually think they have a really good product. Yeah. Management sh should be lined up and shot. Uh, they could not execute that business model yep. in a really good product. And, and they went into regions where I would have thought they should execute. There's lockdown. You would think they'd do better. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. so it's, it's kind of like you can have a great product and yet the business might not do well. Yep. Reckon had a great product, 
And the, the, one of the big things when I went to, over to US to work for a tech firm, when you're selling a platform, the biggest challenge is change. Not from one competitor to another competitor. It's from in-house models yep. to an external model. So when, you know, a lot of the accounting side of things, Reckon had to initially build this business based around trying to convert people from their doing it yourself mm. to doing it outsourcing. They've actually did the dirty work for someone like Zero to come in and just absolutely pulverize them. So it is one where I think it's past them. I think it's too hard. Um, yeah. I think their brand is tremendously damaged. I think you need someone with a big brand to take them out and then use their client base to build a new product to compete. Yeah. Uh, they've got the stuff, which I just think they're not getting the traction and zeros just run past them. Yeah. So yeah. it's again, it's one of those ones where you're trying to look at the guy who's trading up here and this guy might turn around. And, that's and they're, not they're so far behind exactly. in terms of zero. All right, Matt wants a, a view on Pinnacle Investments. Uh, Nathan, a leading investment management company, 60 billion odd under investment. Um, have they got 16 different investment funds? Yeah, look, they're good managers, tough market, um, yeah. value investors predominantly. Um, and he'll tell you how hard it is being a value investor <laughs> in the last decade. Um, yeah, well, bond yields are nothing, so mm. good luck with that. Yeah. Um, look, I think it's a good trading stock. It has decent movements where you can make decent returns in six to 12 months, yeah. but you don't buy them after the run. Right. So they've had the pullback, they got down to 250, now they're 550. Yeah. You don't go and buy them when asset prices are at all-time high, bond yields are at all-time lows. Yeah. So it's one where I'll be taking profit. I'll wait when it comes back. I think if you're buying it below around say three around 350, yep. I'm comfortable to buy a bit at 350 and buy the recovery cycle. They're good managers. I would back them to turn it around. Mm. But you buy okay. them on the pullback. You do not buy them after right. they've had a run. Yeah, so we actually bought this in March. This is a business we've oh, had our okay. eye on for some time. I think it's a very good quality business right. and and potentially misunderstood by the market. So yes, it's an asset manager, but what so it does... Everyone thinks it's like Magellan. It's not really like Magellan, right. yeah. What it does is it takes stakes in other asset managers and it sets them up. So it finds um, uh, new young managers and it helps set them up. It gives them a bit of capital. It gives them all their back end, their administration and their support. Right. Leaves them to then run their um, stock picking enterprises. And um, it, that equity stakes uh, then translates into profit down the road. Right. And these things scale tremendously. Mm -hmm. So um, the, the, valuation, the value creation is really good as well. Um, they're really good at distribution. They've got um, a, a, an excellent distribution team. So they actually help their, um, their, their children funds um, get, get more access yeah. to capital through funneling through than through okay. distribution. They're growing internationally now. And I think that's the big opportunity. I think the domestic um, funds are very good. They've got great funds, um, Hyperion, Antipodes, yeah. um, um, a couple of other, Spheria, um, some really good ones. They're doing that internationally now, and I think that's the opportunity. Mm -hmm. So we're holding this, and I think there is a big potential upside. It does come with some risk. Um, I'd probably put on a hold for now. Okay. Um, and I, I think your valuation is about right, Nathan. Yeah, I think about that about four bucks or so. It's, it's probably so worth looking back. at, yeah. All right, okay, Matt, thank you for that. And our final stock comes from AJ EML Payments. This is um, basically um, a card payment system, isn't it? Sort of gift cards, um, gaming cards that, that you can buy. Again, I think this is quite misunderstood. We, we own this um, and we, um, we looked at it when it was e-merchants, and back then all it did was cards. And then yeah. when it became EML, some new management came in, really entrepreneurial guys, and they flipped the business model a little bit. So a lot of their business is still cards, but what the, the capability of the business is now to digitize all payment processes. So mm -hmm. the future revenue is gonna come from um, bespoke um, digital wallets. So yeah. they go to enterprises or to other businesses and they, and they digitize all their transactions for them. And then once you've done that, you're embedded, there is a very low likelihood of churn. Um, so you get a customer mm. basically for life, um, very low um, cost to actually set all that up and really high incremental margins. The economics are very attractive. I think the price is actually okay here. I'd probably mm. be buying um, at this price. Balance sheet, $100 million in cash, very capable management mm, and okay. a big upside. It, is, um, it does come with risk though, because for the moment, while they're still developing most of the business is still shopping malls. <laughs> so right. so you've got to be patient. Yep. Uh, this is the, the three I mentioned before, once for warriors. 
uh, <laughs> Jumbo Interactive, EML, and uh, ProMedicas. Yeah. Um, I think all three are interesting now. Um, oh, you're looking at nearly, you know, nearly 40, 50% lower. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's interesting. I think EML is good. I think it's it's not a bad one. I think the hot money is all out. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's grinding back. And as Grove said, structurally, what's happening with lockdowns and blah, blah, that's weighing on a lot of these models. And as those things subside, uh, I think EML will recover. It's one, I think it's it's interesting. We know what it can do. We know what it can be. So you're not going to be hoping for something to execute. We know they can do it. It's just a matter of where they are in the environment and what's happened and what people paid for. So I think it'll recover. I think the downside risk is limited here for all okay. three, and especially EML. I uh, think it'll recover. So at this price, you'd be a buyer? I'd be a buyer here. Okay. It's going in the portfolio. It's going in. <laughs> it's the only one today. Oh, there you Let go. go. All right. Let's just recheck um, uh, the last five stocks from Gorava, Mathan, ASX, um, hold if you're in it, uh, buy on a pullback. Uh, Max 7, uh, Mathan Lights, Max 7, Gorava, no, no for reckon. If you can get Pinnacle around 354 bucks, yep, good going, and uh, a yes on EML. Uh, Gaurav Sodi from Intelligent Investing, good to see you. Thank you for joining us. Likewise, thank you. Catch you next time. Nathan from Blige and Equities, mate, good to see you as nice well. You. Um, appreciate their time today. Uh, coming up after um, after one o'clock, of course, we uh, make sure you join us. Uh, we'll speak live with Bendigo and Adelaide Bank MD Marnie Baker um, on the back of its full year results. That's from 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on Ausbiz. And between 2 and 3 p.m., we have the Startup Daily Show, which uh, looks at all things venture capital, startups, scale-ups, um, a lot of companies raising money as well. If you want to um, uh, suggest any stocks uh, for us to look at on the call, email the call at ausbiz.com.au. Enjoy the rest of the afternoon, short break, and then coming up the pulse. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.